Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. All right, are you ready to pray? Praise the name of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this mighty, mighty truth that we just got through singing about, that you have won the victory and that Jesus is seated on the throne as a result of a great triumph. And so we gather in the name of Jesus around the word. We gather as children of the almighty God who we can now call Father. And Father, I thank you that in your presence there's fullness of joy. In your presence, any kind of bondages melt. I thank you, Father God, for the power of your word that it will go into us and like seed will continue to grow up in us, grow up into our thinking and alter the way we live. Help us to give respect to your word today by not being just a hearer of it, but to be a doer of it. Holy Spirit, we, invol- we invite your ministry to help us to know how to do your word right away. Put it into practice right away in Jesus' precious name. Now, while we're still praying, Father, and around your throne, we pray for Australia. And people voted yesterday and the days before. And, uh, and decisions are, and now all these things are still being tallied and figured now. But I thank you that your hand is upon this nation and the div- destiny, the divine destiny that has been set by you for this nation. We purpose to work together with you, say what you say about this nation, pray as you want us to pray, work together with you, lift our voices, work together that your will would be done on earth in Australia as it is in heaven. We declare for our community, we declare for Brisbane that your will be done in this this community and that the body of Christ be strong and united together And we utilize our voices to speak the will of God in Jesus' precious name. And for the glory of your name, can everyone say amen? Amen. Praise God. All right. So we're going to get into uh, the last uh, part of this two-part series. Tony started last week, and he actually um, got the easy part. He started it, and there, there's a whole list of eight things, and he did one and left me seven. So if you'll agree with me today that we'll, we'll be able to look at these beautiful things, that uh, we'll just be able to unpack it with his help, and they, it will stick with us. All right. Uh, if you'll go in your Bible, please, this, seri- this series is called Add to Your Faith, and we're going to pick it up in Second Peter, the first chapter in verse 2. Second Peter 1 and verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our 
Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature. What makes God God? His nature, you can actually partake of that nature and one of the ways that you partake of it, one of the chief ways is through great and precious promises. Keep going. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. But also for this reason, giving all diligence. Can we just say that word diligence? So we're not just slothful or really, um, really uh, whatever about it, just whatever attitude about it. No, with diligence, we add to our faith virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Now, last week, when Tony started this, he, uh, he was talking about my brother-in-law, who um, has, has um, and was at a, a mighty calling of God on his life, was identified when he was just a young man. And, um, but a, a, an older saint in the Lord told him that he was much like, if you'll look at this and you'll recognize it from Tony, he was much like, in this calling and this gift on his life, was much like a, can a cannon in a canoe. That while there was great power that God wanted to bring from his life and power, the potential for power to come from his life, that his character was canoe-like. And you can tell by the picture, you know what's going to happen. As soon as that cannon goes off, that canoe is just going to be like this, upended over and over and over again. And so this is what happens with might and great power. We want great power. We look at verses of Scripture that talk about power and, and to have something less than a powerful Christianity misrepresents Christ, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a display of the power of God, let alone what's all in the Old Testament, but our God is a mighty God. And so we like canon giftings, but this canoe life ain't going to work. So what can happen sometimes is we can go to the Word of God in an effort to fix the canoe and work at the canoe, forget the cannon, let's, let's just work on the canoe and make it a battleship. Let's make, let's make a strong character. And there's heaps in the Word of God about character and about having the nature of God in us and, and, and displayed through us. And so I had this idea that come to my mind, what ends up happening when your t attention is only on character and only on, on having those wonderful characteristics of, of God in us is like a, 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 a display of a, a slingshot from a battleship. I checked Google and actually found a picture of it. 
It's not a very good one, but it's the only one I could find. So it's a little pixely, you know, and everything. But you can, what you see here, this guy, you know, he's got, and, and, and it's a good slingshot. You can see that it's got, doesn't just have two, two rubber band things. Uh, it's got four, so it's like, a, it's a super slingshot. And so some, sometimes Christianity, for the sake of character, can reduce the potential of power. And we take our attention off of power and it comes all on the boat, on, the, on making the canoe into a battleship. And here's this guy, he's got a slingshot from a battleship and he's shooting at a battleship. And if it makes it to the battleship, what's it going to do? Ding. You know... <laughs> That's about it. Guys, God does not want a Christianity that just dings. He wants explosive power. Eh? So then here's, here's a picture of, I believe, what God has in mind. Cannons, but cannons from a battleship. Strong character and strong power. Is it possible? Does this exist? Has it ever exist? Can we say the name of the one whose picture this is, as far as what we're talking about? Let's say his name together. This is a picture of Jesus, okay? It's not the classical one, maybe with the sheep around his shoulders or in the manger or whatever, but this is a picture. His character absolutely sterling and noble and godly, but powerful. It can be. So that's what we're looking, and that's what this, is, this portion of Scripture is looking at, is how we can look like this. So now we're going to look at another picture of Jesus, of what Second Peter, the first chapter, gives us this list that we've just gone through, and we put it in a, in a thing like this, because we're to add to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and patience, and godliness, and then brotherly love, and then love. This also is a picture of Jesus, because Jesus had all of these qualities on display. And he manifested the power of God from this amazing life. Okay? So, we can see that faith begins it. It is the foundation because there is no other foundation that can be laid than what is laid, and that is Jesus Christ. The foundation is not our good works. The foundation is not us. The foundation isn't about what we do or what we don't do. The foundation is him, Jesus. Can we say again the name of the, our foundation? But what makes Jesus the foundation of your life is when you put faith in him. So faith in Jesus is the foundation of everything. And then up through faith in Jesus grows these wonderful characteristics. So we're looking at faith. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that, uh, that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever, what? Let's say that word again. 
Not whosoever does all good things, no. That's not what gives you the foundation. It's whosoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. But through that faith in him, then we have been imparted into us, like we were singing, from the inside out, from the inside out. The nature of God isn't out here and we're trying to, oh, I, well, I love that part of God. I need to become that. I need to get that. I need to achieve that or acquire that. No, 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 no. The nature of God has actually been put in us when we put faith in Jesus. And this wonderful, virtuous life comes up in us. Now, Galatians 2.20 gives us what a contrast of the way that a virtuous life can look. Can you go back to, uh, go back to the triangle again? Uh, people, can, can, people that aren't even born again can have some of these qualities, hey? How, how many of you have known somebody doesn't believe in Jesus but have a lot of these qualities, hey? Yeah. And so what ends up happening when a man achieves uh, this noble kind of a character and, and they have developed, developed it from themselves. Uh, Ephesians says this. Ephesians says that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourself. It's a gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should what? Would boast. And so what happens if you do achieve that or elements of that, and you did it by yourself. I, you did it my way. You did it your way. You'll also pat yourself on the back, and you won't see the need of a Savior. Yeah, people, people that have problems, they need God, but I don't need him because, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm this, I'm this, I've got this together, I've got this together. And so what Paul said, if you'll go back to Galatians 2.20, is this. Christianity is not about a man, you know, acquiring good things and becoming better over the years. Not that, from themselves. Christianity is this. I've actually been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives where? In me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in him who loved me and gave himself for me. And so this is the picture of Christianity. It's not of man's own goodness. It is a picture of God's goodness and his nature through us. We've unplugged ourselves from ourselves. Jesus said this one time when somebody told him and spotted goodness in Jesus. And was Jesus good? Yeah, he was absolutely good. But somebody, in an effort to compliment him, they said, good master. And he corrected them. He said, don't call me good. There is none good but God. What was he saying? He said, if you see goodness in me, it's not mine. It's actually God's. So what we're saying, if you go back to the triangle, so a Christian life is meant to be this, that if anybody sees virtue in you, it's not about you, it's about the nature of God coming out of you.
It's not, it's not your own self-control. It's not your own perseverance or your own godliness or love. It is actually a testimony to the Christ that lives on the inside. How many of you are thankful today that Jesus is not just on that throne, but he's on the throne of your own heart? Amen. So this verse of scripture helping us to work together by faith and, and, and uh, release the nature of God in and up through us. Okay, let's go to the third one. It says knowledge. And knowledge in the Greek has the significance of precise and correct knowledge. Second Peter 1, 2 says grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and look at this through the knowledge of him knowledge is important knowledge is important knowledge of God it's wonderful to be saved and to know that you're going to heaven know that Jesus is Lord but there's some people get right inside the door of just knowing that Jesus is Lord, knowing just a couple things. But actually, 1 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 2 says that he would have all men be saved, and he doesn't put a full stop there. He said, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Why? Because ignorance gets you into a peck of trouble. The devil takes advantage of ignorance. Hosea tells us that people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. They just don't know. It's important to know and to, to know what God wants you to know about himself. You can come to progressively know the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you can progressively, intentionally develop a relationship deeper and deeper with God. And as much as you know about him now, there's way much more to know about him. But not only does he want you to have knowledge about him, he also wants you, that part, a lot of that knowledge comes up through the word of God and through the impersonal con contact and talking with, with him. He wants you to know the word. He wants you to know the word, that that book on your lap is not just a huge book and you just don't know where to go in it unless somebody tells you where to go. That book is a wonderful, wonderful communication from God and God wants you to know that book. Uh, Deborah Strong, who has been with us and ministered here a couple weeks ago, uh, she's leaving this week, and, uh, but her time here has been so fruitful and wonderful. But one of our mutual friends is a uh, missionary, has been a missionary in the Philippines for, oh, I don't know how many years, 30, 35 years in the Philippines. And she had tremendously fruitful ministry. Do you know she went to Rama Bible Training Center in her 60s? There, it, you know, a lot of times you think that the, the time for getting knowledge is, um, is in primary, secondary, uh, university age. We never come to an age where we don't keep learning. Amen? 
We want to keep learning. I have Jasmine here. She's in a doctorate program right now, and I'm not going to tell you how old she is, first of all, because I don't know how old she is. <laughs> but, but she's not 20, and she's not 25. But God wants us to know. So he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his word. He, listen to this. He wants you to know you. He wants you to know who you are in Christ. He wants you to know his purpose for your life. And there can be, there can be whole areas of learning that he wants you to have. Trades and skills and things. And he wants you to know things. He's all-knowing. But he helps us to know what we need to know. So knowledge is important. Let's go to the next one. Self-control. Mm, that's a... That's a toughie. Self-control. My mother said, in, she raised five kids, she said one of the most important things you can teach a child is how to control themselves. That's an interesting thing. I never knew that until after I grew up, that that's what all that she was doing to me was about. The Bible says in Proverbs, a man who knows how to control his spirit is better than one who can take a city. The Greek, they, uh, when I was studying this, the, uh, they, the, the, a word they said actually is better than self-control or temper, temperance is mastery. That from your heart, under the lordship of Jesus, you are able in this temperance, in this self-control, in this mastery, that your body doesn't just do everything your body wants to do. Even if it throws a fit, it doesn't just do everything, and your mouth doesn't just say everything that it just wants to say. <laughs> and your mind doesn't just think everything that comes through it and follow every single thought. No, mastery. And you determine what is under the lordship of Jesus and what is coming from Jesus. And if it's not, nope, we're not going there. Don't have to do that. I'm not obligated to do that. Even if my body has done that and my mind has gone that way for years and years and years, it doesn't have to. We have mastery because of the knowledge that we get in Jesus Christ based upon faith in him. Can we say amen? amen? Absolutely. So, mastery or self-control. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. It says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So some people are, well, that's not such a sin. Yeah, but can you, can you say no to it? You're not jerked around by anything. And you bow your knee only to the Lordship of Jesus. We like that, don't we? All right. Jesus in the, in the wilderness was hungry. There's no sin in hunger. Matthew 4, 2 said he was hungry after 40 days of no food. And yet the devil used that legitimate hunger to get Jesus to bow his knee to something 
other than the dominion of his father. And Jesus said in Luke 4, 4, he said, nope, nothing doing. I don't care how hungry I am. The Bible says man shall live by bread alone and every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I will not bow my knee. All of the, all of the passions and desires of my body are brought under mastery to him. Amen? Okay, let's go on. Moving along. Patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.23 says so. And in the New Testament, the it's a characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety. Listen to this. Even the greatest, during the, eve, uh, the greatest trials and suffering. Colossians 1 and verse 11 says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto, and it seems like a weird thing, that glorious power, all might, glorious power, you're thinking, hmm, raising people from the dead, splitting the Red Sea, glorious power should be, you know, oh, great signs, wonders, and miracles, and yet the Bible, say the Bible, look what the Bible says glorious power is for, that you would be strengthened unto all patience. You say, it takes glorious power for patience? Well, I ask you, how you going with that patience? So what Paul said, he said, you, you're strengthened unto all patience and long-suffering, and then it goes on to say, with joyfulness. You're not grumpy about it and making everybody pay for you having to be patient. All right, let's go on to the next one. Let's look at godliness. Now, godliness is someone's inner response to the things of God, which shows itself in godly piety. Godliness is not the same as virtue or that wonderful, those wonderful godly qualities. Godliness, when you study out how it's used in the Hebrew, it has more to do with piety towards God, which also is respect or reverence. And so 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, says, Reject old wives at profane and old wives' tales, fables, and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Godliness or reverence for God. And he said you could actually exercise yourself to old wives' tales, or what these people are saying, what those people are saying. You could use a lot of energy to find out and, and be, and, you know, suck air. <gasps> they said that. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, they said that? Oh, wow. All right, Google Googled the answer, and oh, well, hey, they said it. Oh, what this is saying is exercise yourself to the reverence of what God says. Respecting God, that if everything is against and looks against a promise of God, you're going with God. Do you know what I'm talking about? If everything looks like it's different from what God is saying, you're sticking with God. 
reverence for God and things of God. So we have worship time in, when we come together, uh, you know, as a family of believers. We exercise, we have worship time usually at the beginning of the service. Gives opportunity for people to, to all gather in. But that's really not the reason we have worship service. The reason we have worship is because people need to look away from what's gotten their attention all week long. And they need to go, God. There is a God. There is a God, and He is the most powerful. He's the most wonderful. He's greater. He's my Lord. And we exercise godliness, piety, respect, honor to God. All right? Let's look at another one. Brotherly kindness. Now, this is, when you look at how it's used in the Greek, it's, it actually means affection, tender affection for the brothers. Now, uh, what you should have in your family, in your physical family, but that is not how it's used in the Bible. That's not actually the meaning of it in the Bible. The meaning of it in the Bible is that we exercise brotherly love among the family of God. Genuinely, not schmoozing, you know, and it being cold around one another, but genuinely, another translation says, fervently loving one another. And how we do that, we, when we look at one another, you grab each other by the shoulders and you just squeeze as hard as you can and then just shake them. I'm kidding. You don't read it. But, uh, but no, what we do do is we kiss the fire out of them. You just kiss them all over their face. No, we don't do that either. <laughs> but they do do it in other countries. We did that in, in, in uh, Sicily. And... Um, we had agape services sometimes, and oh, Tony said, do we have to go? Because <laughs> they were just, you know, they just, it's just sloppy, just kissing and slobber and oh, all over the face and sweat. Ah, hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you think we should start this in our church? Eh? Whether it's kissing or hugging real tight, whether it's demonstrated physically with real intensity, I'm not talking so much about that, but it is a position of the heart. We love one another and we love each other fervently. And if something is touching or hurting you, then it's hurt me too. And I am for you, I'm with you, we're together in this, you rejoice, I rejoice, we're together in this. It brings glory to God and is a confirmation. I think it's interesting in John the 17th chapter, Jesus said twice, um, he said, by this shall all my men know that you are my disciples if you have great power in your life. Is that what it says? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if what? It's interesting. 
one of the great confirmations that God is among us and God is in us and God sent Jesus, according to the Bible, is when we love one another. We talk to one another good. We talk about one another well at home. We talk about one another uh, in our church family. We talk about other churches in the body of Christ, not downing them we love them. Even parts of the body that don't exactly believe the same way that we do, we bless them in the name of the Lord and we genuinely love them. Uh, my husband and I uh, were at a, a council meeting. Um, uh, it wasn't this last one. Lecky and, and um, Faith were at that last one too, but it was one before. And we were praying in the city council, you know, where they... Um, where they have all their meetings and their chairs are in there and we've got a council member that uh, loves prayer and so he invites us in there when no one's in there we walk around and pray for all the uh, the mayor and the you know every council fits it's that's pretty cool hey and so uh, we're in there praying and we were, uh, there was a lot of Pentecostal people, and we were praying in tongues, and there was an Anglican minister, and he talked to Tony about, he said, I, he said, this is new for me. He said, I felt like I just needed to get around this Pentecostal part. He said, but it, it's very different for me. And Tony, uh, he, he said, well, you know, he said, to get to heaven, we must believe that Jesus is Lord. He said, that's what gets us to heaven. And that guy said, oh, I'm so glad you said that. He said, I didn't know if you guys thought that way about me. He said, would you be my friend? He said, can we go out and eat? And, and so there's parts of the body that may not exactly believe the same, but if Jesus is our Lord, we're in the same body. And it's important that we love one another and we work together and we embrace each other. Okay, so here, we, let's go on to the next one. Oh, to this, this verse. Uh, 1 Peter 1.22, you were cleansed from your sin when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. We can do that. Why? Because we can do better than we did last year. We've got to work on that. We've got to work. No, no, no. We're founded on the head of the church who gave himself for us. And that love comes up in us and comes up through us for one another. And we give ourselves, we lay our lives down for one another. Praise God. Now, let's go to the last one. And this is the crown. This is the crown of this whole list, love. It's different than brotherly kindness. It's different. Because this is even crowning overall. We love, based on Christ, we don't just love people who believe like us, even generally. We don't even love people only that love us. As Christians, we even love our enemies. And we don't even talk bad about our enemies. Do you know what we do? We target him in prayer. We pray for him. The love of God, agape love of God, is bigger than just being kind to one another. Sometimes the agape love requires correction. Sometimes it, it, it does whatever it needs to do. The love of God 
is the crown and it seals the life that is a battleship to shoot cannons. It puts everything together. It glues everything together, the love of God. Now, go back to that square or to that triangle. So when you look at this, the way that we kind of can think, and, and you heard my husband talking about um, you know, how he was raised in that OCD type of a thing. Uh, everything is, has to be really in order. He's not exaggerating. They, his family is a bit that way, and, but they're just so, they're so loving and wonderful. They just have that problem. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, but I, he's, he's right. He was just... Uh, you know, and, and there, there, were, there were times, there were times when he just, if he couldn't do it all, he didn't know how to even start. And he was talking about reading the Bible. If you couldn't read a whole book, then don't read it at all, you know. And I'm so glad he shares that uh, with you because there, there is a way. You just, you just start. And so you can look at all of that and think, Oh, my lands, how do you even approach that? What do you do first? All of these things are necessary. So do we take, we have a whole seminar on faith, and then maybe next quarter we work on virtue, and then, and then, you know, how much time do you give to all of these things? How do you even do this? And then you start getting into works. You think, okay, I'll give this amount of time to that. And I'll, give the, I'll put this amount of time to self-control and this amount of time. To, and then you've taken over the lordship of your own life. And it starts getting them all worksy, worksy, worksy. Do you know what we do? So I was asking the Lord about this because when I was looking at that, I'm thinking, if you were here last week, you know that Tony just kept on going over don't get caught in you trying to do this yourself. Remember how we went over it? About eight times? Why? Why did he keep doing that? Because we look at this and we go, okay, I'm going to try to give this a go and I'll give this a go. No! This is a divine life. So I prayed, I was asking the Lord, Lord, how can we even look at this thing and get it? He said this, that there are things all of us are confronting right now. Life is giving us an opportunity for these things to be developed. Life is doing it. Life is demanding things of you that, listen to this, that demand something of him. Whatever is pressing you is pressing him. Whatever is demanding you is demanding him. If you're united to the vine, then what's on the inside of you, what's on the inside of God, comes up through your life. And this is what he put in my heart to say. Keep remembering who's the Lord of your life. He started this. Philippians, the first chapter says, I'm confident of this very thing. He that began, say began. And who that began was Jesus. He that began a good work, and Andy, if you guys could come on up. He that began a good work in you.
will also perform it. Under the day of Jesus Christ, so that what comes out of your life, you're never saying, ooh, look what I did. Aren't I something? Aren't I amazing? I really got that down. No, you know what will happen? The more that we keep our life under the lordship of Jesus, when it ever does come to the place where we pass from this life and are before him, we'll say, you know what? If anything good came of my life, it was Christ in me. Amen? That our life doesn't point to me, our, our self. Our life points to him. So I'm going to pray for you in just a moment, but before we do, can we sing that a happy song, you know, from the inside out? And there's some good things that were in that song uh, in just a little bit. But before we do, I want to uh, give a special opportunity. This is a wonderful time of the service when we give anyone who is with us today that has not asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life yet, you're not sure that if you were to pass from this life that you'd go to heaven. That's pretty serious. Everyone is going to pass from this life. Where are you going to go? Is everything right between you and God? You need to know, and today you can know. We're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. I'm going to have the whole congregation pray with us, and I want you to pray along with us. If you've not prayed this prayer before, pray it from your heart. Mean it. Jesus will change you. And what we've been talking about today, he'll be a foundation in your life, and the very person of God will come into your life. He's protected you from the outside. But with your invitation, he'll come in. He'll be in your heart. All right? I'm going to give another invitation. If you're here today, and through whatever, whatever has happened, and you have found yourself kind of wandering and wondering, and you've gotten yourself into some things, you've tripped and you've fallen, and you've gotten more conscious of all kind of other things other than God. You've just lost track of the person of God in your life. Today's the day to come home. And God's not going to scold you, but he does want you to come home and come home today. I'm going to give you that invitation as well. But right now we're going to pray a prayer to invite Jesus into anybody's life that is here today that wants him to come in. So we pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, pray it all together. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your love for me and that you sent your only son to come and be punished for my sin to die on the cross. I believe and I receive what Jesus did for me. And I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe Jesus is alive today and is on the throne, just like we were singing. And I declare that Jesus is my Lord. I invite you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. 
If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.